Hello and welcome back, baseball fans. This is This Week in Baseball, uh, Season 3, Episode 5. Um, joining me today here, we've got Joe and Jenny. How are y'all doing today? Good, thank you. Good, good. Good to hear. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, we're uh, five, six weeks into the season here now. We're getting into it. Uh, we're late May already, uh, so we've got plenty to talk about. Stuff's so always happening in baseball, and this week was no exception. Uh, but as always, we will start with our standings update. Uh, so we'll start in the American Leagues. I think I started with the National League last week. Um, but out west in the American League, the leader of that division, we have the Houston Astros with a record of 26-15. and 15. In the AL Central, we have the Minnesota Twins with a record of 24-16. and 16. In the east, we have the New York Yankees with a record of 29 10. In the West, we have uh, in the, uh, the West of the National League, I should say. In the NL West, we have the Dodgers, the record of 27-12. In the National League Central, we have the Milwaukee Brewers with a record of 26-19. Uh, and 19. and uh, in the NL East, we have the New York Mets with a record of 27-15. and 15. Uh, So, uh, Anything surprising to the two of y'all about the records or the standings at all? Or is that just about where we expect it to be at this point? The Twins are a bit better than I was uh, expecting. Um, I was expecting them to compete for the division, but I didn't expect them to be as good as they are right now. Yeah, four and a half games up on the White Sox are at 19 and 20. Yeah, that and the Braves not being at the top from the beginning of the year is surprising, but Mets are good. Yeah, the Mets have the biggest lead uh, in any division. They are seven games ahead of the uh, Braves, who are at 19 and 21. Granted, a lot of these teams are dealing with some pretty big injuries, uh, but like the White Sox not being above 500, same thing with the Braves. Both of those are shocking, I feel like. Like, that's not where anyone kind of expected it to be. But um, yeah, a lot of these teams we kind of thought were going to be here. I also. Um, thought the Twins were going to be good, but not this good. Um, I thought they were going to very like happily sit in second uh, place all year, but you know, uh, injuries suck, and they really can't turn the tides of baseball, or any for that matter. Uh, so anything else with any other division? Anything you guys got? Or is that all you guys want to talk about standings there? I was expecting the Angels to be leading the division, or at least the AL West being a bit closer than it is right now. I mean, it's one and a half games. They're not um, back by a lot. Uh, yeah, but the Angels have been weird. They've been dropping. Well, they went on that hot streak, but outside of that, it feels like they've been playing 500 ball for everything else. Well, I mean, the Angels have been good this year. They've been a lot better than I expected. I thought they were going to be below 500 for the entire year. I did not expect much from them, uh, but they, yeah, they had that hot streak. Now they're just on like kind of the massive cold streak. Uh, four and six in the last uh, ten, not terrible. But uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of Angels fans on my Twitter timeline, and they like to complain about a lot of stuff. It seems like, but yeah, I mean, this this is the Angels team that everyone's been talking about for years. Where if they can stay healthy, they'll be good. And they have yeah. been for the most part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've stayed pretty healthy, which has um, been the Achilles heel, I think, of that team for the last few years. And so now that they're, they've been healthy through about 40 games, it's it's showed they're above 500, and um, they're right there with the Astros, who uh, were expected to be good. The Astros were always going to be a good team, no matter what we all thought. After They went on their own hot streak uh, pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, the Astros, that division, it's those two. And Seattle, at least to me, has been really disappointing. I thought Seattle is going to be really good. Um, they're 17 and 24. Like, they also have been dealing with a lot of injuries. Robbie Ray hasn't been fantastic. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, and Oakland and uh, Texas are awful teams. So that's no surprise. We knew that. Like,. <laughs> I know you're an A's fan, Jenny, but they're bad. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, moving on to another bad team. The Baltimore Orioles had their top prospect, the top prospect, uh, 
debut this week in Adley Rutschman, one of the most anticipated debuts in the last several years. And Rutschman did get his first hit last night. Uh, was a triple, uh, at least for now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed it to a double and error with Brett Phillips bobbling the ball around and right. Um, but uh, went one for three with a walk and a strikeout uh, yesterday, and it, it was it was a solid debut. Uh, I don't think the Orioles won. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I can double check really fast. I'm pretty sure they lost. Uh, but Adley Rutschman finally making his debut. What do you guys uh, think that means for the rest of these young prospects that could be getting the call here soon? Rutschman only an injury kept him back. We all expected him to be up to start the year, but then he I think he was an injury, if I remember correctly. I kept him out. Um, but what do, you, what do you think this means for the Orioles moving forward or just prospects as a whole moving forward? I don't think it means much for Baltimore. I mean, the big thing with Adley is that he – it's not like he was a super elite hitter. It's just that he did everything in, uh, solidly above average. Uh, I mean, he's not an offensive force like Wander Franco, who I think is the last prospect who had the sort of hype that Adley has. Um He's not going to fix their team overnight. I mean, their pitching is still rough. Uh, outside of him, that lineup really doesn't. It's Trey Mancini and him that are keeping that lineup afloat. I don't think this really means anything outside of just the AL Rookie of the Year race, which is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's really no difference. This is probably the start of all the guys coming up. I mean, Hall, Rodriguez. Um, if they can get some more infielders, like, I don't know, Mountcastle's good, Hayes is good, Mullins is good. So they have the start of a good team, and it's just slowly bringing them up and buying players. Like, this is just the start. I do think they're caught in a bit of a weird spot, though, Mm because, like, they have all these good players coming up, obviously, but the players that are in the majors right now, they're sort of – stuck in a bit of a twilight zone where they're not young enough to be exciting and hot and fresh but they're uh but they're a bit older for to be sticking with the team for uh three or four years down the line which is when we're going to see all these prospects called up yeah and i think um that's kind of what i was about to say there like they're uh, i agree with what joe just said there um it's a very good start uh, this team should be good here in the next couple of years. It's just they got to make those right moves in free agency and maybe a couple of trades here and there, um, see what they can get. Um, but give it three years, and this Baltimore team should be contending again. Uh, three years sounds like a long time, uh, but for how bad the Orioles have been for how long they have been bad, like that seems like nothing at this point. Uh but we'll see. Um, Rutschman, I'm excited to see how his career starts here, um, especially since um, other guys who have been called up this year, with like Spencer Torkelson, uh, Bogwood Jr., has started off extremely slow. Uh, so I'm curious to see if Rutschman has that same adjustment period or if he just kind of comes out of the gate firing. Uh, but moving on to another rookie debut we got yesterday um, that kind of got overshadowed by Adley. Um I think it's Matthew Liberatore and then Nolan Gorman were both called up. It was a really cool story. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I recommend go checking it out somewhere. I'm sure you can Google it and find it. It's not that hard. But um, these two were childhood friends, uh, came up with the system uh, together and got called up on the same day. Uh, Liberatore made his debut yesterday. I don't think Gorman got into the game. I could be wrong about that. I didn't look that far into it because I don't enjoy looking up the Cardinals in my spare time. Anyway, but – uh, Libertor had went four and two thirds, four in runs, and three strikeouts in his debut yesterday. Uh, not a terrible debut, um, but he has been a pretty highly anticipated pitcher, and um, and kind of this kind of goes along with a lot of these prospects um, being called up. Like it's not necessarily just the Orioles system. Now you see the Cardinals doing it, who are a team that has been well above five hundred, and as they say, have the winningest culture in baseball, as Cardinals fans like to say. Um, this is all at Carson that I've posted once a week on this week uh, and Sunday night watch party, but they do win a lot, unfortunately. Um, 
But like, this is a good team calling up these young guys. Like, are they? Is this something we're going to see kind of more? We just kind of talked about a little bit, but are these better teams going to start calling up these young guys as well? Like, what do you think that means for you know the the above five hundred teams, those teams that were and are leading other divisions and all that? I mean, I think it's like like these guys have no pressure on them, and they're not calling them up to make the team kind of better. It's more like guys get hurt, they're going to be the next up anyway, so we might as well get them in and get some innings. Like, I don't know, Shane McClanahan's an example where they brought him up, like, the last game of the regular season in the playoffs, and now that, like, he's their ace, like, last year just kind of looks like, all right, just get some innings and see what it's like, and then next year you're going to run with it. Like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, these guys aren't going to be impact guys just yet, but eventually they will be. I don't really know what other teams are going to do in response to this. I don't, I don't know if other, I mean, these teams are over 500 for a reason. Do you really want to be making changes to something that's been working? I don't really think so. When you look at the Cardinals, the reason Gorman was called up was because Paul uh, DeJong was just doing terribly. Um, and their rotation hasn't been the healthiest, so that's why Libertore was called up. It's not necessarily that they're trying to... I need to word this carefully, because Gorman and Libertore are good players. It's not that they were called up to finally make the transition to the major leagues. They were called up because... uh, somebody needed to play and they were the next men up. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you just very much butchered two of those names in that last sentence. Is <laughs> it not Libertor? It's definitely DeYoung, but uh, I, I could be wrong. I don't listen. I, don't li- okay, I turn off enough. announcers and I turn on my own music. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, DeYoung has been awful this year um, and their rotation did kind of need that depth help. Uh, you're right. I don't also don't think it means a whole lot for these contending teams, but also you definitely have uh, teams like the Dodgers who call up some nobody who can throw 102 miles an hour, and then we'll have like a .7 ERA out of the bullpen for like 35 innings, and then they'll just send them down because they don't need them anymore. Like that's just kind of how it goes. But yeah, if it works, it works. Right now, sorry. Same lines. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, who cares? You're you're already doing well enough. Yeah, you're not wrong. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the story was really cool. Um, if you haven't heard it, I do encourage you to go look it up. Um, it's a cool story. And these are guys that I know Cardinals fans have been very excited for for a long time. Um, so um, I guess we'll jump from some old, uh, some young guys to some older guys here. Um, we've got uh, – let's talk about Justin Upton first, uh, who signed with the Seattle Mariners this week. Um I thought it was an interesting move. Um, the Mariners hadn't lived up to the expectations that they've had. Uh, and Justin Upton also hasn't lived, lived up to expectations. He's had early in his time in um, Anaheim. Uh, do you guys think this is a good move? Do you think it's going to do much for the Mariners? Uh, what, are y'all, what are y'all thoughts? Well, obviously he's their Jared Kelnick replacement. They've obviously given up on him already. Uh, no. Well, Mitch Hanning um, was hurt, too. Yeah. Did he burst the other testicle? Um, I don't really know what to make of the move because the Mariners aren't in a win-now position. They probably won't be for a couple of years. I mean, they're... I think they very much are in a win-now position. Really? Or they Cause... could be. What do you mean by that? Like, I guess that's what I mean. Well, to me, a win-now position is when you're selling off the future to win-now, you know, sort of like Tigers in the mid okay, to late 2010s, sort of like that. Okay, I got it. Um, a lot of their young prospects are just getting called up. I mean, like George okay, Kirby, gotcha. Matt Brash, Julio Rodriguez. Um, it's not like their window of contention is closing anytime soon. Yeah, and... that's where I the disconnect was i thought i was thinking a very different thing when you said that no okay i'm on the same page now keep going yeah. sorry and i don't think right now would be even if they were trying to go for a win now uh move i don't think now is the good is a good time for it because 
when you look at the other teams at the division, specifically the Astros and the Angels, those teams are pose a hefty challenge to a team like the Mariners. Uh, I don't think that any sort of win-now move should be made. I think that they should just wait for the right opportunity, wait for a weak year by either of those teams to try and win the division. I know it's been a long, uh, long streak of postseason absences for the team, but I don't think you can sacrifice your future for a very temporary game right now. And Justin Upton is certainly not going to be what puts them uh, over the edge compared to the Angels or the Astros. This move sucks. Justin <laughs> Upton sucks. He hasn't hit over 220 ever. In, I mean, not ever. The past three years. <laughs> wow. on, on base is under 310 past three years. Like He's a locker room guy. This sucks. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's not going to do anything. Yeah. This, I, this is when you bring up a kid who's like, I mean, the Mariners already brought up a ton of kids, so maybe not them, but like any other team, like you're bringing someone else up and see what they can do and go from there. Like, I don't know, Justin Upton's not the first thought of free agent guy that's going to make a difference. I mean, <laughs> You're not wrong. I I think agree. I mean, Upton's not good. Like that's just a fact. Justin Upton is not a very good baseball player anymore. Um, but they do have all these young guys um, that veteran presence in the locker room could mean a lot to them. And plus, it's not costing the Mariners anything. Like yeah, so, it was a minor league I mean, deal, wasn't it? I think it was a league minimum deal. Um, I don't think it was minor league. Could be wrong about that, but um, it. You have guys like Julio, and I guess Kelnick's not exactly there anymore to be around that presence. But like, I think Julio, especially, especially now that um, I mean, I don't think this is that known, but Hanniger is going to be out probably until at least late June. Um, they kind of need help in that outfield, and Kelnick just wasn't it, uh, wasn't doing it much. So they sent him back down to hopefully work on some things, and hopefully we can see him put it together. Because uh, I liked Kelnick a lot. Um, I was really hoping he'd turn around this year. I think he just needs a little bit more time in the minors, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, this this move sucks. I think they're kind of hoping maybe they can get like an Albert Pujols kind of production out of them, because uh, uh, from the Dodgers and then the um, now the Cardinals are getting something out of them. I think that might be what they're trying to do at this point. But other than that, I don't see this move helping all that much. It's a very lateral move, in my opinion. This is just a move to please the fans in the front office saying we're doing something. That I mean, honestly, that's probably fair. That's probably it. But it's not like it improved the team all that much. Not at all. Uh, yeah. Anyway, from one old guy to another old guy, um, we'll talk about um, – let's go – you want to share the River Lander first. We can talk about either one. I have bad memories with both. Let's go Verlander. All right, so – Okay, yeah, Verlander. Uh, Justin Verlander's been absolutely insane this year. Um, through eight starts, oh, I had the, I had it up. Uh, let me pull it back up again. I pulled up his Savant numbers instead, which are also insane. It's all red. Um, but through eight starts, Verlander has a 122 ERA and 51 and two thirds innings pitched. Um, he's just been a monster. 299 ERA plus, uh, a point. Uh, 716 fit or not fit, sorry, whip. Uh, a 278 fit. Uh, these numbers are better than his Cy Young years. Uh, and granted, he just came off of this, this major injury. He's what 40? 39. How old is he? 39. Sorry, he's 39. Is Justin Verlander gonna pull just like the greatest like comeback from you know Tommy John we've ever seen? I mean, I don't even think it's that much of a comeback just because of how good he was. And this is, like, right. expected Verlander. Um, I mean, he hasn't thrown in a year and a half before this, so that definitely helps. He was very good before this, so this is just kind of, like, the only thing surprising is just how old he is that he's doing this. Like, if you, like, if you said Justin Verlander was good, like, it's not a surprise. It's just... He's 39 and good. 
The bad man won't go away. Him and Granky are in a competition of who can just pitch the longest. Yeah. And I mean, Verlander's weakness for the going back to like 2019 has been solo home runs. And with the change in ball, I mean, that's not going to be an issue anymore. So, sky's limit. (laughs) Yeah, Rob. But yeah, like, listen, I'm I'm, I'm very tired of him. First, he spends his career in Detroit kicking Oakland's butt out of the playoffs every year. Then he goes to Houston, keeping us from making the playoffs. Well, <laughs> kicking us to the wild card game every uh, year. At least we're not good this year, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, I don't think Verlander's the, the issue here if the A's not making the playoffs. Yeah. For a couple years he was, like, but not anymore. The, the front office is your issue. Two ninety-seven seasons in a row, both ending it up with wild card game losses. I'm very upset about that. Yeah, honestly, I miss the good days. Good days were fun, but now they stink. But you can probably go to an A's game for like four dollars now. And no, that they hiked up the prices. Did they really? Yeah. Back in high school, I remember I went to a game um, with one of my buddies, and it was Judge's rookie here. Because uh, he was a Yankees fan, we went for like five dollars, like a seat. Yeah, so like outfield seats, but still. That would have been twenty seventeen, so that would have been when the A's were still bad, and before the yeah, ownership was trying to relocate. Yeah, they weren't good yet. But I remember um, the game I did go to. I believe it ended in a Marcus Semien walk off, um, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it was good. A's were fun. That is aren't fun. Very bad for baseball as a whole. Uh, but Justin Verlander being uh, 39 and just dominating all these guys uh, is just insane. And I love to watch it. It's just cool. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on from Verlander to Scherzer. Um, Scherzer, other old guy pitching, also still insane. But it, I don't know if this is age catching up to him, but he is going to be out for six to eight weeks with some injury. I already forgot what it was. Oblique. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Scherzer, uh, oblique injury, never good to have um, an injury that keeps you out for really any extended period of time at, what is he, 41? 41. Um, no, he's 37. I lied. Wow. Max Scherzer is three. Why do I think Max Scherzer was 40? Uh, anyway, Max Scherzer is 37 still. Uh, a bleak injury um, so far this season. Um, he got, let's see, eight starts, uh, 254 ERA, a 153 ERA plus, 293 FIP. Uh, he's been good uh, for Mets, or the Mets. He's everything that they were kind of hoping he'd be, um, except this injury here. Um, I, I mean, don't think never this is a bad injury, like – yeah, it's from, at, at the game, he was like, I can't go again. And I think it's just him being cautious, like knowing if I go out there and like try to be the hero, I'm going to get hurt way worse. And they know like they have a division lead and they need him healthy. So I feel like this is really like a two-week injury, maybe three-week injury, and they're just like going to really take their time with him and like just bring him back fully. And so I don't think it's that bad. But it still yeah. sucks. I don't disagree with what you said last, but everything else leading up to that, I did. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect this to affect Scherzer that much. I mean, he's got that dog in quite literally, Mississippi State Bulldog. That dog. Um, that dog. He's he's proven time and time again he's a very resilient pitcher. Uh, he's very. Uh, he wants ball in his hand. Will do whatever it takes to get the ball in his hand. So, I wouldn't expect him to struggle coming back from injury. Nor would I expect him to be out particularly long. I don't expect this to be like Mike Trout's calf injury from uh, a year ago where it just kept getting longer and longer and longer and kept and until eventually kept Trout out for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's not like this isn't a major insane injury. I think, Joe, you kind of hit it spot on. It's more of a you have a seven-game lead in the division in May. So... 
I mean, you we don't want you to get hurt more than you need to be. It sucks that he's going down. He's one of the most electric pitchers in the game. Um, and, you know, we'd love to watch Scherzer go out there every fifth day and dominate other teams. Uh, but it's really understandable. You don't want him out for longer than he needs to be. So precautions always is a better thing. Not I exactly – you go for it. They built themselves a lead that they can afford to kind of let him sit for a little bit and then have him and DeGrom both come back healthy in July. Like, I mean, I know it may or may not be that long, but if you can leave the all-star break with both those guys coming back and the rest of the team is healthy, like that's, that's a scary team. Oh yeah. Like the most cliche thing you'll hear um, from, I'm sure Mets fan base getting guys like Scherzer and DeGrom back off the IL and, July is just as good as a big trade acquisition. Yeah. Uh, but I mean it's not it's not like completely false. Like it's kinda kinda is. Like I know a lot of people hate the, that way that's saying the phrase, but I mean it's frankly it's just kinda true. If you want to get um, theoretical about it, it doesn't it's not the same because Alright, so when you're getting guys back from injury, you're not you're, you're returning to what was assumed to be your level of performance. When you're adding a guy from a trade, you're increasing your expected level of performance. When you're evaluating a team, you, all, you all pretty much always assume when fully healthy, this is what they're going to do. And so getting guys back from injury, uh, the injury list isn't going to improve that outlook. It's just going to return to what that outlook was. I mean, I think it depends when they got injured and like I don't know, there's a lot of factors where like DeGrom hasn't played all year and they knew he wasn't going to start right. the year so like their expected was way lower than if he started the year and then got hurt and then came back versus... yeah but they're expecting him to come back right yeah. but like if they had DeGrom to start the year like they'd have like six more wins yeah but they're gonna like... get six more wins once he comes back compared to if he started the year and then got injured yeah but he didn't start the year that's yeah, but saying. if you did, I think you're talking yourself in a circle. <laughs> what, do you mean what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Whatnot. Like, anyway, Scherzer should be back sometime June. I'd, I'd expect maybe July, depending on how long they want to keep him out. Um, but either way, um, hope he recovers well because the game is better with Max Scherzer pitching. Um, but anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, but we will stay in New York. Um, we'll talk about uh, New York and Baltimore a little bit more. Um, as this week, uh, Boone had a comment about uh, the new uh, ballpark out in Baltimore, the new the left field wall. Um, and he said, uh, this is at a game, I believe it was five days ago, uh, where Judge, uh, the, Judge was robbed of a third home run or something along those lines. Boone says um, he almost had three homers, but build your own park, got him. Um, it's That's the quote from Aaron Boone um, talking about um, the uh, the new left field uh, dimension they have there, which is the weird uh, pushed back, like jagged edge uh, ballpark there, or wall there. Um, and then even like Trey Mancini said that the hitters don't like it, uh, but it's not something you can think about when you're at the plate. Uh, you just kind of have to go in and, you know, hit. Uh, but it's it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, um, the way Boone has said it. Uh, I feel like Joe looks like he's got some I have so many say. thoughts. Say words, Joe. First thing, them moving the wall back is the dumbest thing ever. Not even because the Yankees got robbed. I don't care. You're letting up so many home runs, not because your field is a barn box, because your pitching stinks. So instead of trying to fix, like, the problem, you're just hurting your own hitters, and your pitching still stinks. Like, just get better pitching. But anyway, (laughs) the same people that, like, complain about that are the same ones that say, like, Yankee Stadium's a Little League ballpark, blah, blah, blah. Like, there are MLB regulations that every field has to, like, meet. And outside of that, you can do whatever you want to it. So it's not, like the Yankees fault that their right field is short and your right field is 380 feet away. Like bring it in. If you want, it's just like, stop complaining. And if you complain about Yankee stadium 
in a bubble of a series that you've played or like a game that you've played, like the Rangers did, you're playing there too. Like the field doesn't change for you guys too. Uh, like season long, I understand like the right field home runs are juiced. That like I get it, but in a bubble of like this series, we got robbed. Whatever, like you're playing there. Give it up. But that that's it. <laughs> I'm a yeah. fan of parks having fucked up little things about them. You know, triples alley in San Francisco, the foul ground in Oakland, uh, everything about the trop, pesky pole, all of it's great. And so I'm the a trop big. Is awesome. I'm a big when it's not injuring people, it's great. Uh, I'm a big proponent of Grayson's Grove, as I'm going to start calling it, because uh, obviously this was made with Adley Rushman, Adley Rushman, uh, Adley Rushman's battery mate Grayson uh, Rodriguez in mind. Uh, I'm all for. I mean, I think it gives Camden even more character. It was already one of the more uh, colorful parts. This just adds to it, in my opinion. Uh, I don't, I don't mind it any... when it like looks good. Like left, it, yeah, looks, it looks terrible. So bad. Like if you want yeah, to your dimensions, make it look, make it look good. good. Oh. You gotta remember, you're talking to an A's fan right now, so like, yeah, true. <laughs> get the get the raccoons out of the stands. And they're raccoons, cats. They're cats and possums. Cats and possums. The cats are the cats are cute, but it's like they're just like let's take left field and just push it back, and it yeah. looks so janky. What if we take our problem and push it over here? Exactly. It looks like a three-year-old made it, but anyway. I thought baseball was supposed to be fun and unique and quirky. Oh, I, I'm not, like... But make it look good at least. Yeah, Do we just, want every park to be cookie-cutter? No, but, like, no. you can make it, like, the Red Sox, like, their right field is... Their right field pole is a joke, but at least it, like, juts out nice and then blends into center well, and it's, like... I don't know. Like this just looks so. There's no flow. It's like we're gonna put a pole right here, and we're just gonna back this whole wall up, and that's that. We got that on footage. We can blackmail him later. He, he was just a Yankee fan complimenting Fenway. Hey, Fenway's a nice place. It's a cool ballpark. I, I hate Yankee Stadium. I hate the new Yankee Stadium. It's so bad compared to the old one. I mean, as a fan of someone uh, of a team in the Giants that also had a major like. Uh, uh, ballpark facelift reconstruction, whatever you want to say about it recently, there are better ways to do it. Like in, in San Francisco, the way they did it, the field still looks great. Like um, it looks good. They brought the wall in um, from left center in a bit. Uh, and a lot of teams, uh, a lot of people, if you weren't watching Giants games regularly, would never have noticed because it looks seamless. Granted, it wasn't the same exact thing as you kind of take it and push it back, but there are so many ways you could have made this even look a little bit better. Like, it's just you have a jagged corner. Like, at least make it so, like, it's a... It starts to kind of blend back in a little bit. I think even doing yeah, just, that would have made it fine. Just curve it out. Yeah, curve it out, something along the sort. It just... I remember when it first uh, was shown, like, it made its first rounds on Twitter. People were like, yeah, that's a dangerous corner. Yeah. It's just there. Imagine you're playing deep left field and you're like going for a ball in the gap and you're just like on the track or not looking like you're going to smack a wall. I don't I, know. Like even Houston's like hill in center field, like it's so ridiculous, but it like fits because it's I missed deep in center and like you can like be quirky and still look good. The hill was fun. It was terrible for players because so of like injuries and all that, but like it was funny. If it looks good, it's not quirky. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. Putting, what? The, putting the green monster in uh, left field—that's quirky. The but green it still, monster it still is ugly as shit. Nah. the green monster is a staple of baseball at this point, whether you like it or not. Uh, but it isn't. And exactly soon, Grayson's cool. Grove is gonna be. No. I thought, like, I—I I don't remember if I saw this or something I made up. I thought, um, I thought I saw very early on someone calling it Camden's Corner. Um, that little like, area corners, back there. Disgusting. Yeah. Imagine naming but, um, a place where home runs go to die and it's just doubles. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we have Triples Alley in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, ask, ask him all about it. But <laughs> yeah. I, I hate how Triples Alley. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, either way, um, the ballpark, 
I get Boone like saying like the build your own ballpark thing because it frankly is what it looks like. Um, should he have said it? I mean, probably not. Um, but he's not wrong. I mean, the last not- thing I have on this, Ryan Mountcastle hit a ball 400 feet that hit the wall. Any ball yeah, that's, that's at 400 feet, no matter where it is, should not be anything less than a home run, no matter what. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. I mean, the one judge hit went 399, that, the double, that's, the one that sparked different. all of us. It's, yeah, one more foot and you're good. But 400 plus, always a home run. I mean, that's, I don't disagree. Anyway, um, besides all the problems that the Orioles Park does have and that the Orioles have as a team, uh, they did beat the Rays this week on a 13 inning, uh, in a 13 inning game. It was a two run home run walk off by Rudnet Odor. Um, end it against uh, the Rays. And I guess the only reason I'm kind of bringing this up, because I feel like this is the longest extra game we've seen in a while. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, if you guys remember anything longer. Ever, at least since um, the the Manfred Ghost Runner has been implemented to you know shorten games. Uh, I don't think we've seen one this long in a bit. Um, I see like Joe's looking it up. I could be wrong. I wouldn't know um, off the top of my head. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, the 13 innings, that's like exact opposite of what Manfred wanted. Uh, he wants this ghost runner to, you know, get these get these teams to shorten it to 10 innings, 11 innings, or whatever. But 13, that's an extra four innings of baseball. And Ruga Odor, of all people, is the one who ends that game, uh, especially since the Rays are a significantly better team. Um, what is the – okay, um, the extra inning rules, I hate them. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Is this – are we going to see more games like this? I'm different. I don't – if you want to put a runner on second, that's fine. I Like, I don't really. My only issue with it is that it – unfairly benefits the uh, home team. Why is that? Yeah, I mean... A home team can just a bunt sack fly him home. The pitcher can get uh, three or two outs in this situation and still end up costing his team the win. I... Because the home team only has to play for one run in a tie game, whereas the away team has to play for as many as possible... Uh, it's it's not a major tilt, but it's still enough that uh, I, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming I think that's like a that's like a hindsight. Like it, it's it's game theory, which is yeah. way too complicated to go in on here. But I don't know. Leave them on. End the games early. Okay, they I, should I mean... add, they should add a runner every inning. So <laughs> just tenth inning runner on second. 11th, 1st and 2nd, 12th, bases loaded. Yeah, just, like- spitball, just spitballing right here. I mean, why not have a situation where um, you could, if the game's tied after 9, you can decide who wins by totaling a team's uh, hits, walks, uh, and strikeouts by their pitchers, and whoever has the higher total gets the win. What if it's the same? Uh, it's a draw, and we'll deal with oh, run no. differential at the end of the end of the. Ties season. in baseball. No, guys do not belong in baseball. We got to bring back game one sixty three somehow. I mean, that's fair. I do miss. I am going to miss game one sixty threes, but um, I don't like the extra inning rules just because I miss marathon games. Like I remember no, when I was don't. younger, I would. Yes, I do. I you missed loved the idea watching of marathon games. games. I I remember vividly in high school watching game between the Giants and the Nationals going to 18 innings, ending off of uh, and it's scoreless through all of uh, extra innings. He's Mario Petit through six scoreless in extra innings. He had a quality start. In the middle of extra innings, I missed that. It was so cool. 
Like, it was my favorite thing. I stayed up and watched that game for hours after I was supposed to be asleep. What's your average bedtime now? I'm just That's slightly more, more enticed watching an extra inning game if I know there's runners on. I mean, I get it. It's I like understand. The slightest bit. I get that. Yeah, because nine times out of ten, I'm not watching it anyway because I don't care unless it's like the Yankees playing. But like, if I did care, I mean. Yeah, I guess. Um, I did. Um, I mean, once I see a game that's in like the 12th inning, 13th, I'm like, oh, I'm going to turn that game and see how it ends. And a lot of the times it's just kind of going to end in a, now, anyway, in a pretty underwhelming fashion of like, oh, you got uh, in the top of the inning, you didn't allow a run, and then you, you know, bunch sack fly in. Like, that's not super exciting most of the time. But it is what it is. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I just can complain on the internet about extra animals. Here's a here's another idea that I just came up with. With all this drama around different types of baseballs being used, what if in extra innings you just bring in super juiced baseballs? <laughs> you just want man feel... to jail, don't you? Yeah, we all do. <laughs> anyway, I mean, honestly, I've heard worst ideas. Or worst ideas, but uh, I think it'd be kind of funny. Anyway. Enough about the extra innings here. Um, we'll stay in the AL East here um, and talk about um, the Yankees a little bit here again. Mostly, or more specifically, uh, Donaldson. Uh, Josh Donaldson and Tammy Anderson got into it this week. Um, where uh, Donaldson had, apparently, like, these two have had, I, I don't know if I want to call it bad blood. I don't know if that's technically kind of what it is. Yeah, they've had their issues in the past, not... They're not friends by any means. Um, but uh, Josh Donaldson made a remark uh, to Tim Anderson that was believed uh, by Anderson and many others to be racially motivated. And um, it just is was not – doesn't belong in baseball. It's not good. And uh, Donaldson's saying that's not what it was. Um, that's, uh, he just kind of thought that, that these two were more buddy-buddy than they actually are and all that. So – I guess like, if you haven't looked into it, I encourage you to also go look into that um, because that's a lot more detail and everything that I am not currently equipped to tell you about. But um, nonetheless, uh, what, do you guys have any thoughts about the whole situation? I know Joe, you're a Yankees fan, so I'm sure you saw a good amount of what uh, this was, how it unfolded. Yeah, I mean, even before this, like I hate Josh Donaldson. I think he's a scumbag. <laughs> Um, I feel like that's most most Yankees fans are along that line. The whole Garrett Cole thing, like, the guy's a scumbag. Um, for this scenario, I mean, this was definitely motivated from the chirping that came, like, a week ago when Tim Anderson was sliding back in the third, and then Donaldson kind of, like, landed on him, tagged him, pushed him off the base, and, it like, there was a little dust up there. Um, I get where Donaldson was saying it from and like the article and what Tim Anderson said and like why he said it. But that's one of those things where like, how do I word this the right way? Like Tim Anderson can say that about himself. His teammates can joke about it with him like that. That's not something that Josh Donaldson or anyone should like refer to him as, or as a joke. Like, Mm -hmm. It's like a, I'm Tim Anderson. These are my boys. We're allowed to say this because that's just what it is. Like, no one else can say this to me. And it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like picking on your little brother. Like, you're allowed to do it. You can, because that's your little brother. But as soon as someone else says the same thing, like, it's just a no go in my book. So, like, you're not, after all the dust up that happened the week before and then this, like, there's better things to say and you're not saying that as a joke. Like maybe if the third base thing didn't happen, if there wasn't any bad blood the week before this week, like maybe I I get it. Like you're referring to the article. It's a joke, but because of everything that's happened before, and I'm pretty sure they've had drama, like when he was in Minnesota and there was like a huge thing or something, but like, that would be shocked. Like, it's just given what's happened before. It's just, not what you want to say and even if things didn't happen before like that's such a dumb like i don't know just let him let him call himself jackie robinson and just keep it at that like why do you have to say it yeah 
Yeah, no, no matter what, no matter whether it was an inside joke, no matter whether they were friends, Donaldson used Jackie Robinson's name uh, in an attempt to degrade another uh, black player. That's just unacceptable. No, no way to justify it in any way possible. It's simply ridiculous. I do think MLB is doing the right thing looking into it. And I think that if you as a white person, a, anybody who's not a person of color, if you look at this and if you feel like your opinion is relevant over whether or not Tim Anderson has should feel the way he should feel, you need to shut up and reevaluate your decision-making skills and life choices. Yeah, I think that was very well said. Um, yeah, and like, that was... Tim Anderson may be a hothead and like a show-off and whatnot, but like there's just certain lines whether or not you like a guy. Like new baseball hates Tim Anderson. I mean, old baseball, like the boomers hate Tim Anderson, and that's just oh, yeah. the fact. Um, but like there's certain lines you just don't cross whether or not you like them, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. There's no place in it. Um, the, there's no place in the game and any anywhere in the world for comments like this, for behaviors such as this. Um, but I think Callie, what you or sorry, Jay, what you said there was uh, very well said, and I don't think there's much more to add on to that. Uh, but we'll move on from that there. Um, Move on to kind of our last talking point here. Uh, Mike Trout, um, the greatest baseball player in the world at the moment, um, reached a thousand career runs this week, joining Willie Mays and A Rod. And it's a uh, and this that's endless. Like that's it. Uh, so it's a pretty big accomplishment, um, especially since he had Albert Pujols sitting behind him for most of his career. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So. But yeah, uh, Mike Trout, uh, this is far from the last major milestone that he's going to reach in his career. Um, but it's great to see him back. It's really nice um, seeing you know a healthy Trout playing on a team that isn't absolute garbage. Uh, but I guess, I mean, the talking point here is uh, what do you think, what do you think Trout does the rest of his career from this point on, I guess? Uh, where does he go? He's achieved plenty. Uh, what else is he doing this year in the next few years? What do you, anything you guys think exciting? I mean, well, he, no, go ahead, Jen. All right. Well, it's sad to even just think about, but uh, time is running out on Trout's claim to the throne of baseball's best player. And yeah. his time is running out even to his claim on the throne of best Angels player. I mean, Last year, you can give him a pass because of injuries and whatnot, but with, like, Brandon Marsh, with Otani, obviously, with... Yeah, Reed Devers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Taylor Ward's having a heck of a season. If he Taylor could Ward is all right, all right. <laughs> but I really think that this year, next year, and I think that's going to be it on his run of undisputed dominance. I think we're going to see, you know, Soto, we're going to see Acuna, we're going to see uh, maybe Wander Franco is going to be the one who uh, takes his crown. Maybe nobody's going to take his crown because we're going to go back to how it was like in the 2000s where there was no one cut, one player who was a clear cut above the rest. It's interesting to think about, it's sad to think about, and I'm glad we're getting to have these last few years with a healthy trout where he's able to hit these milestones and we're able to celebrate him and appreciate him in a way he deserves. Yeah, I think Trout's career is not going to be a smooth slope down. I think it's going to be a hard fall, unfortunately, with injuries and, like you said, time running out. Um, and it just sucks seeing, like, I mean, some people still think this, but at one point he was like the greatest baseball player ever. And when people make those thoughts, it's on the assumption of like, you're going to be healthy your whole career. You're going to play a long time. And it's like, 
we're starting to see that's not the case. And now other people are like Juan Soto's in the mix. Otani's in the mix. Vlad might pretty good. And it's like, we kind of assume if these guys play their whole career, like they might be, we never saw like the big burst, like Mike Trout and how good he was as quick as he came up. But like, I think if these guys like Otani and Soto are healthy, like they're going to be better. And it's like kind of hard to come to grips with, but yeah. Yeah. I really yeah, hope I mean, he doesn't have a... Yeah, I, I don't I, wish him to get injured, but... Yeah, I really hope he doesn't have an end of career sort of like uh, Pujols. Uh, I hope if he... That's so sad. Yeah. I hope when he turns, whenever he... He's got like a 13-year contract signed a few years ago, so he'll be... Uh, signed through 2030. Yeah, I hope when 2030 comes, he Maybe decides to walk... Seasons. He decides to walk away gracefully by a weather station in New Jersey in a storm chasing truck to ride around. You know there. he'd be so happy. He'd be so happy about you that. He might be happier doing that than playing baseball. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool, too, because Mike Trout was the player that we were like, yeah, I can't wait to tell my kids we saw Mike Trout play. And, yeah. like, he was our, like, Willie Mays. But now there's so many, like, there's so many guys that have that potential that it's like right. Mike Trout's kind of – going to the back burner and it's like damn i saw shohei otani play saw our ted williams play like yeah i don't know i mean trout still is yeah um the guy like yeah trout is the the generational player but um and he's proven it already he's done like you can't take that away from him um and you have a lot of guys with the potential to do so but you have to kind of wait and see still trout has already done and we just kind of want to wait and see how this back end of his career turns out. Um, and like um, Jenny had just said, like, I think at the end of his contract, I hope he also just kind of walks away. Um, assuming that he's not, you know, still insanely good at baseball, like imagining he is kind of like, you know, dwindling down. But if he's still putting up like seven, eight war at the age 38, I'm like, please keep going. I also yeah. think his like, not non-marketability, but, like, the fact that they don't market him, it's, like, when he does ride off into the sunset, people are going to forget about him a lot faster than they should. When, it wasn't like, flashy. Yeah, like, when Otani retires, like, there's going to be so many moments that we look back on and, like, the All-Star game, and it's just, like, Mike Trout's kind of just, like, a shell. And he's just, like, boring like Yeah. Yeah, he's, it's, he's boring because of how good he is. Yeah. Anything less than like a, a 170 OPS plus is like not great for Trout. And like yeah. that's saying so much. Yeah. Like this man's insane. And it's not like Bonds where, uh, well, obviously Bonds was a better hitter than Trout, but it's not like Bonds where he was great in an exciting way where he was breaking these home run records and whatnot putting up these 500 OBP seasons. Uh, he, he's not getting walked with the bases loaded, <coughs> unfortunately. Yes. Corey just, Seager will. <laughs> I, was, I was looking for a way to make a joke. I didn't <laughs> find it, but glad you did. Uh, he's great in a way that he, he doesn't He's who you want to bring home to mom and dad. Like, he's the... Just be very good. Don't talk. Like, don't show anybody up. He's he's boomers, baseballs, God. He doesn't yeah. leave you going. Wow, he just leaves you in quiet awe. Yeah, just play play well. Shut your mouth. Be very nice, and that's my trap. <laughs> be very nice. Yeah, I mean, he should hit. Uh, <laughs> he should hit a thousand RBIs uh, next couple of years. Here, he's at eight forty. Um, that'd be another big one. Um, he'll probably hit 400 home runs three, two, three years from now. He needs 80 more to get there. Um, uh, let's see what else. What else? Um, yeah, he's still keeping his career average above 300, career OPS over a thousand. Uh, when he makes his like Hall of Fame voting, like when his time comes and 
we're going to be like the older generation of baseball. And like these kids are going to be watching. They're going to be like, who's Mike Trout? And then they're going to look at the baseball reference page. And it's going to be how we look at like, Barry we look Bonds, at Barry. Where, like yep. everything is bold. Like that's going to be yeah. their Barry Bonds. Yep. That's exact. I think that's a fantastic way of putting it. Like he is just, he's that guy. Yeah. Just plain and simple. He is that guy. And just, I'm just glad he's healthy again. Doing awesome things. Facts. He's already played more games this year than last year. So yes. that's also good. All right. Um, well, that's really it for talking points that I wanted to bring up and have discussed at all. Anything else from you guys um, that you thought of while we were recording this? I'm all good. All right. And if not, we will jump to our very last uh, bit here, which. We had last year, and I kept saying I wanted to bring back this year. I kept forgetting, but I remember this time we have our what to watch for this week. Uh, game series, um, always nice to know what to keep an eye on, what to keep an eye out for. Um, so what to watch for this week. Uh, Jenny, what are you watching? Um, I'm watching the Tigers go to Minnesota to play the Twins. I touched on it a bit earlier. The Twins are have been really good this year. They they lead the AL Central, but I was actually expecting the Tigers to be up there fighting for the division too. I was riding high on uh, Torkelson. I was riding high on their rotation, but the rotation's been battered. Yeah, there's literally so, every single uh, starter from opening day is hurt. That's so sad. I'm I'm really interested because I I still think that the Tigers they have the talent to win the division, uh, but I think that this series is going to be a real real big test, and I think it's yeah. going to be a very exciting to watch. Yeah, I think we've talked about the Twins a lot this episode for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Joe, who are you watching this week? Uh, I'm just watching Phillies the whole week. Um, they're on the hot seat. They play the Mets and the Braves this week. Um, Phillies fans, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're planning the World Series parade day route. Um, turns out you can't out hit bad pitching as much as they thought they could and bad defense. Um, it matters. And it's, it's like, I don't know, embarrassing is not the word, but like there were big, there were big holes on that team and they just filled the wrong ones. Yeah. But good for the universal DH because Bryce Harper would be useless without it. Man, the NLEs has got to be the funniest division between the Phillies and the Mets. Yeah, I think you're wrong. Uh, but as for uh, me, I, um, I mentioned this, um, this is my pick for this week, uh, Yankees and Rays. Yankees have been obviously very good this year. The Rays are obviously a very good team. Uh, I just think that's going to be some high-powered baseball, a high-powered offense this year versus the Rays pitching, which is good year in year out. Um, it's just good. it just should be awesome baseball to watch um, for a series. So that's who I've got. Um, if the Yanks lose that series, I just want to get out ahead of it now and say that all of our pitchers are hurt. <laughs> All right, making excuses before you can have, before you can even have. Just in case. Okay, what if they win? That just shows the resilience of this team that everyone's <laughs> still win. Okay, I wouldn't expect anything less from the Yankees fans. Spirit of the Bronx, course and through. I will be throwing out standings tweets every month, no matter what. All right, fair enough. Anyway, um, I think that's it for us here um, this week on episode. Uh, what five? I already forgot what I said it was. I think it's five um, of this week in baseball. Um, so if uh, you don't know where to find us um, on the internet, uh, how'd you get here? But if you do need to be reminded, you can find us at our website at diamond-digest.com, our Twitter at diamond underscore digest, and our Instagram diamond.digest. We're putting out a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I think more now that um, summer's really hitting for a lot of our writers, um, we'll we should expect to see a lot more articles coming out. Um, a lot of things, a lot of cool, a lot of cool people uh, writing a lot of cool things. So uh, if you haven't checked it out, you should. 
But um, that'll do it this week um, for Joe, for Jenny, and for myself, Diego. Thank you for listening. And as always, go baseball. See you next time. See you.